0: it's liz kelly and welcome to the ringer podcast network up on our site the ringer is breaking down the 40 best singles and albums from 1999 covering britney spears the backstreet boys mariah carey and tons more and to accompany that piece we filmed our staffers discussing what they agreed and disagreed with from the article and debated what should have won you can read the piece on the ringer.com and watch the video at youtube.com theringer. media consumers brian curtis and david shoemaker of the ringer here with your instant reaction to round two of the democratic debates or as it came to be known david john delaney's spalding gray monologue with america <laughs> it's nice to see you by the way in person
1: it's good to see you too man here welcome the to East brooklyn Coast.
0: i know it's nice it's nice all right david we're gonna talk about a bunch of stuff the farewell appearance of a bunch of democratic long shots Also, Mm. CNN trying to make the debate into a never-ending speed round, at least (laughs) for the first hour. That was weird. But I think the top story of the night is something like this. Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders repeatedly getting challenged by the moderates on stage, subjecting their ideas about Medicare and immigration to a kind of stress test. This was the Democratic Party asking itself, are we really going to nominate a lefty Mm. to beat Trump? Was it not?
1: Well, I mean, technically, it was CNN moderators asking the Democrats. <laughs>
0: Putting John Delaney up to the yeah. task of asking. Yeah, you. I mean,
1: I don't know. I mean, the way. I, yeah, Yes, yes, I, I, I do agree with you. The way that it was formatted tonight um, oddly made it feel sort of like a fait accompli that the answer would be yes, we are going to nominate a lefty. And this is a, the, the stress test is maybe a formality. Now, in another circumstance, maybe with different, uh, you know, different. Uh, moderate candidates, or you know, in a different setting, than it might have seemed like, um, it, it might have seemed like more of a justifiable question or justifiable argument to be having. Um, but despite all the time that the moderate faction got on TV tonight, it felt, uh, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like they, it seemed like as as as, as hard as they tried to paint. Sanders and, and, and particularly Elizabeth Warren is kind of beyond the pale or outside the norm or whatever turn of phrase you want to use. It just it seemed like like I said, Warren in particular, but Sanders too just seemed incredibly fine. Like they <laughs> they they, with, they they stood up to the stress. Is that was
0: that just me? No, I think that's right. But I think it goes directly to quality of debater. Yeah. I mean, in a in a in a hopefully in an upcoming debate, we will see Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren on the same stage. Yes. But until that moment comes, we have to make do with a bunch of one percenters kind of playing the role. Mm-hmm. And I think what we learned tonight, uh, before we even get to the ideological part of it, is that they're just not as good a debater as Elizabeth Warren. Nobody is on that stage. No, and I don't think anybody in the Democratic field is. No, she's really good
1: at this. She's very good at it, and she's—I mean—and you get the pers- you get the the feeling that she's debating with a bunch of people that. I mean, it can't be true, but you get, the, but it, but it came off as if she's debating against people who who were shocked that there was someone there to disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like when I talk to my buddies about this, they all just nod in approval. But when I, you know when I get on stage, I don't know what's going on. This is like, this is a well-formed
0: argument on the other side. She, uh, when they were talking about Medicare for all, which was the big first section of the of the debate, yes. which was essentially bernie and warren you're for it everybody else take a bunch of shots at them and see if they hold up Mm -hmm. uh warren talked about her friend Addie barkin uh and was talking about why he needed insurance and then you know even in her second answer came back to that point and admonished the audience for laughing really trying to personalize the issue take us out of this whole idea of you're gonna you're gonna force people off their private insurance and into an actual story later in that same section uh she took an answer about this again. Everybody's sort of having this theoretical debate. She turns it around on Republicans and insurance companies, which she's very, very good at. Yeah. You saw this time and time again tonight. She would take an answer and completely turn it into a winning answer, mm-hmm. no matter what, no matter whether you agreed with her on the policy or not.
1: Yeah. I mean, it felt like Bernie had well formulated, I think, largely correct answers to most of the questions that were put to him. Mm-hmm. Um. But Elizabeth Warren seem to have have that, but also the ability to turn the conversation in the direction that she the direction that she wanted at any given moment.
0: Should we go ahead and play the soundbite of the night? Because I think this gets to a larger point, which is not just ideologically, what kind of candidate do you want to be the Democratic nominee? But what kind of ambition do you want the Democratic nominee to have? These things may go hand in hand. Yeah. Here is Warren tangling with Delaney about what kind of ideas a Democratic candidate should put out there. I don't understand why anybody goes to all the trouble of running for president of the United States just to talk about what we really can't do and shouldn't fight for.
1: I think it's worth, this, this may seem like a minor point, but I do think it's worth saying that there's a, I mean, that was an incredibly compelling thing for her to say, and I think that it really made the case for her campaign uh, and also that, you know, Bernie's campaign and and, and some of the more forward looking ones at the expense of the others that they were kind of set against tonight. But there is a degree. I mean, there is a degree to which this was a, a little bit of a show debate. Right. I mean, and I guess that's what a, a televised debate is. But at the end of the day, they were talking about it seemed like they were debating over the 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 number of years that instituting this plan that we all agree on is going to take is going is going to take mm-hmm. right i mean it was it wasn't exactly a semantic debate but to the to the to the degree that they were to the point that they were actually are cnn was staging it as if there was as, that, that you know eight of the people on stage were against universal health care and that's i don't think the truth so i mean it it, it it i don't know i i think that that elizabeth warren you're right that does get to the point of the I mean that 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 characterizes the entire evening to to some extent. I think it was just a little bit mind-boggling the amount of time that Delaney and Hickenlooper and all the rest got to sort of spin the hamster wheel about why <laughs> their practicality was more important than vision.
0: It did it did have the feel of an old kung fu movie. Yeah, where you have the master, and then like a hundred people run at him. Yeah, and he easily dispenses with all the lesser yeah enemies, but then they just keep more keep coming. Yeah, they don't stop.
1: Well, it also has the feel of a zombie movie, where like the person gets dis- the zombie gets dispatched, and then keeps on getting up. I mean, I understand that CNN <laughs> set the terms for the debate tonight, but how many times do do you want to come back to this where you're? I mean, and this is where Elizabeth Warren's words I think were really true, where. The third time that you're making the case about the impracticality of Medicare for all, it's sort of like, why is this the hill you're dying on? Like, why, why do you keep coming back to argue again to to make to make this point? This can't be a central piece of your campaign, right? At least, I mean, you think it seems like Hickenlooper or anybody else would be more, even Delaney, as misbegotten as some of his campaign decisions are, he'd be better suited to be like listen, there's not a big disagreement here. We're talking about implementation. So can we just move on to something we actually disagree on?
0: And that's, that's a great point. And I think that's why Warren and to a lesser degree, Sanders are winning this argument. Mm-hmm. Because when you compare the two things, they are saying, here's this big, articulate, sweeping vision I have. Yeah. And the other people are going, coming back and saying, I like the idea, but I'm not sure you can get that passed. Yeah. That doesn't stand up. B doesn't stand up against a no, there's a way we've seen this a little bit with Kamala Harris. There's a way to kind of be a moderate and translate that into a big sweeping thing. Yeah. That sounds really appealing. No moderate is going to say, I want to do less than my opponents. That's not the way you yep. win the nomination. Right. Uh, you know, it's, the democratic, the democratic primary field, whatever they want, they may not want Medicare for all at the end of the day. They may not want to decriminalize border crossings. But they want somebody who's like, we're gonna do a lot of stuff. Yeah, I've got a big vision to help people. Yeah, and I can and I can articulate that in a way that's gonna make it sound exciting.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's also the issue of politics, and just not, not even politics It's bigger than politics because Hickenlooper. And I don't mean to keep knocking the guy, but he talked about his real world <laughs> well, practice. Please, go ahead. Yeah, but he kept talking about his real world experience and his you know small business and, and, and brew pub. And, yeah, the brew pub, and, but but the, but his ability to get stuff done in a bipartisan way, and it's sort of like and and how that's, the better path forward than than the argument that that, you know, some that his other people up there were making Sanders and Warren in particular. But it's like, yeah, if somebody's offering if somebody's demanding five thousand dollars for a used car and you say, I'm going to I'm going to bargain with this guy and offer him forty nine hundred dollars, he's going to say yes every single time. That doesn't mean you're a master governor or anything else. If But if if you went up there and said, I'll give you two thousand dollars and you settled on four, which one is the better outcome? Right. It's the second one. Right. You got to you got to demand big things. You got to be visionary with your plans or else Elizabeth Warren's right. What's the point? You can pat yourself on the back for getting 100 bucks off every used car. But like that doesn't mean you are good at your job.
0: What about master brewmaster? <laughs> you think that you think that's the Put vicious, him on Bravo season next team? season? he will be great. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Kind of in a reality thing.
1: Listen, I don't I mean, I don't of all of the candidates that were up there, of, of all of the lower tier candidates that were up there and even some of the mid tier candidates. I don't have any problem with John Hickenlooper, man. He's a, like he's a good dude, and he seems like he actually believes he, he's a, he's actually a, a true believer in the things that he in, in, in the arguments that he's making. I think in, as opposed to some of those other people, but man, he just seemed out of his depth up there, and not just not intellectually or anything like that. I think that it goes back to your initial question: like, are, are the Democrats going to elect the lefty? I mean, yes. The answer is yes. Like, what? A, I mean, John Delaney at times. I'd say the answer is maybe. Well, okay. May, I think I think you're right. I think it depends on how you define lefty. John Delaney's not going to be the Democratic nominee. No. It looked like he took a wrong turn into the, in the in the debate room and, and maybe ended up on the wrong stage. But like <laughs> he like, I, but I just don't think that. I think that with the, the two sides that were drawn tonight, I feel like the answer is clear. Now you're right. When we get him on stage next to a Joe Biden or a Kamala Harris, depending on how she draws her own uh, political lines, yeah, I think that I think that, that we'll have a more we'll have
0: a more spirited debate in that direction. Yeah, I was looking at the real clear uh politics polling average right before we came on mm-hmm. and and reminder to all to both of us and everyone else out there that Joe Biden has recovered just about <laughs> everything he lost from the last debate now he's got a debate tomorrow night so he may very well blow it again well and then at that point, and again we'll, we'll be back But there's a to- raging moderate Yeah. A, a guy who's saying I am a moderate mm-hmm. I do not believe what those other guys believe who is who has at least nationally and those polls are of somewhat limited value but has a you know fairly sizable yeah. lead over all these other people,
1: I think what we're, as uh, I hope everyone listening to this knows, we'll be back here tomorrow night talking about the exact talking about tomorrow night, tomorrow night's debate. So we'll we cover will. it then. But I think for Joe Biden, the fear has got to be if he blows it again, or even is perceived to, be, to have blown it, then that becomes the narrative, and I think that's when the polls actually start taking a dip. If he can't stand up to the pressure at two debates in a row, then what?
0: Yeah. Then there's a massive freak out among Democrats at how is he going to stand up to Trump, sure. et cetera, et cetera. You can fill in the rest of that. Here's something you mentioned when we were sitting there watching the debate, which is the way Delaney and some of the others, I think Steve Bullock probably falls in this category too, <laughs> were using talking points you could imagine going straight into the RNC press release or Trump's mouth mm-hmm. about Medicare for all. Saying things like, these people want to take away your insurance. Yeah, they're going to look at you. Not, not. They have a different plan than I do, but they want to take away your private insurance. Yeah. Language like that. What do you, what do you make of that happening tonight?
1: I go back to my "Is this the hill you want to die on?" argument or your question from before. It seems like a really weird tack to take, even at the, ex- even if you're in desperate need of your campaign breaking out to make any, you know, to to have make any blip at all on the radar. Right? I'm not sure why you would do that. I'm not sure why. You would, I mean, it's it, it, seem, it seems like they must know that they will be, if they get, if the blip is big enough for anyone to remember their name tomorrow, then they will be in Republican commercials necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. They It's not just that they're using the same talking points, they will become the talking points. Like, Senator Warren here says this, but. 8 out of her can- 8 of her opponents say that, you know what? I mean, this is going to be a this is going to be a talking point. Now, thankfully, right after I said that, Elizabeth Warren called them out on it, right? I mean, she said you were using Republican talking points. You don't need to do that here. Um she did. And I think that uh but, but I do think it's a it, it, I do think it's interesting. I think it I think more than the actual political stance and and listen, you know, uh, I I think that the 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 actual political stance is, is really important but but maybe even more than that that shows their lack of vision that shows the lack that shows the lack of the lack of seriousness or the lack of inte- just brightness of their campaign staff that someone thought that was a smart decision not even on the politics like it just seems like that's not going to get you that's not going to get you anywhere
0: in this primary there were all these Delaney conspiracy theories going around Twitter tonight one was and by the way our <laughs> most overused Twitter joke which somehow united Jonathan Chait and Jay Kang <laughs> T- together again <laughs> Jonathan Jay and Jay Kang was that John Delaney owned CNN yeah <laughs> which is why he gets why he seemed to be on the air all night tonight even though by the official New York Times rankings I'm showing him with the fourth lowest amount of airtime at 10 minutes and thirty. that seems seconds. so unbelievable he it, was on the screen so much it, it shows him behind Klobuchar mm-hmm. which I just I, I don't remember Klobuchar talking all that much but yes to that point it did seem, and again, I'm not, I'm, this is not conspiracy Brian and conspiracy David here late night in Brooklyn, but it did feel like he was doing exactly what CNN's producers wanted him to do. Yeah, that's what I CNN's was say. producers walked into that bait and said, We want to draw a contrast between Bernie and Warren and everybody else. This is like, there's no Biden on stage tonight, there's no Harris. So we got to get these people to be. The foils, mm-hmm. the perfect foils, mm-hmm. and and they're not going anywhere, so they're going all in. And it it was amazing the way he played that role. Yeah. Now again, if you're him, what are your incentives here? A lot of his staff, his apparently his wife is running his presidential campaign.
1: You know, I said that to somebody, and I want it to be clear because this is gonna this is gonna be a knock either way. It's not his wife is running his presidential campaign. Like the joke is that he can't afford a campaign manager, so his wife is doing it. No, the the implication is that. He is like his wife is like the puppet master of this campaign, that it's a vanity campaign that she that it's,
0: has been her her dream all along. And he wasn't listening to his staff. He was listening to right. her. Uh, this is John Delaney, who we said a couple of episodes ago on this uh, podcast, whose staffers had asked him to drop out. Yeah. Which is always a bad place to be. Yeah. Uh, but if your incentives, it was interesting. All pundit, I think, on Twitter said, what if John Delaney primaried Trump? That's not a nutty idea, by the way. What if What if he just says, okay, this Democratic thing has gone as far as it can go. Yeah. What if I drop out and kind of as a kind of in that, you know, have got kind of Bill Weld quality and run as a liberal Republican? I'm a business owner, former business owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in incremental reforms to health care, all this stuff. I mean, that is kind of an interesting move. I, I sort of see him as like the Democrat, the quote unquote Democrat on Fox News coming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's got a lot of paths from here out. We we are done with John Delaney probably on a national stage at this point, though he may get you know a nice little cable round of uh, bookings after this. But yeah, I mean, it's sort of his like... incentives though are to go crazy tonight. Otherwise, he's just going to be forgotten. Sure. Otherwise, going to be Tim Ryan. Which you're just like, oh, wait, that guy's on stage again. Oh, yeah. yeah. What about him? You know.
1: I mean the high the highlight of Tim Ryan's night was forgetting to put his hand on his heart for the national anthem, but the was Ver- that on purpose. No, I, I can't imagine.
0: It's you pointed that out. we were watching around. all nine candidates have their hand on their heart, <laughs> and I almost thought, like, oh wow, are we are we doing this? Are we doing a Is Kaepernick him, thing? Here? Him and Marianne
1: Williams and f- f- weren't didn't have their hands on their heart at the beginning. I think it's because they were at the very end of the row, you know. And it was like it's, it was incumbent on Tim Ryan to put his hand up so Marianne would would know to do it, and then Tim just failed to do it altogether. Anyway, setting that aside, back to Delaney. Yeah, I think that um, I it, I I feel like he made. It sure felt tonight like he made the decision that many like reality show contestants have made before him, which was like the only way anyone's gonna remember my name a month from now is if I played the villain. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna embrace this role. Yeah, I didn't come into this thinking that my economic, my, 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 you know, my moderate economic ideals made me a bad guy, but now that I realize that they do, <laughs> I'm gonna embrace it.
0: He's like that guy in The Bachelorette whose name I thankfully have already forgotten. One of the Lukes. Was it a Luke? I don't know. He's the Luke of this. Yeah. Uh, I think you're absolutely right, and I think you. By the way, if you not if you know you're not going to be president, you lean into that. Yeah. Because that it gives you a lane at the at the risk of using the word lane, it gives you a lane. Yeah. Of being kind of a troll, but again, with who's who's probably not saying anything he doesn't believe. But you sort of lean into it and that becomes your identity.
1: Well, worst case scenario is, you, like you said, you get a bunch of Fox bookings. Best case scenario, you looked at as an oracle four years from now if the tides don't go the Democrats' way. That's
0: true. He started off in his opening statement, by the way, saying, you know, when we nominate a big liberal, a big lefty, we always lose. And he, he name-checked, like, Walter Mondale. I think that would be news to Walter Mondale. Yeah. That he's like, <laughs> he's a raging left. Or even Michael Dukakis, who we named after that. Uh, the second thing I think today, David, after the um, after the Democrats sort of wondered aloud about who they were going to nominate for president, was something that's been happening in the polls. Benji Sarlin of, of NBC tweeted this, and I think this is exactly right: is the polls at the top of the Democratic primary have been remarkably stable. Mm-hmm. There is a we've seen we've seen Sanders sort of drift down a little bit. We saw Harris drift up after the sure. last debate. We've seen Biden go down and then up again. Warren on a steady trajectory up. But the top tier seems pretty stable. And I think what you saw tonight is the farewell appearance of a bunch of one percenters. This will be their last big national moment. What? And the top tier, at least after one round of this, I think staying fairly stable.
1: Yeah. I mean, I said you... uh Back when we were watching this, that I think you know you have to look at the people on stage tonight. Beto O'Rourke is probably the top of the second tier, right? I mean, if you put if you put Buttigieg in the top, then it then the, you know right below that you you would put Beto. And I I can't imagine anyone with a straight face drawing out Beto's path to victory even this far out. I mean, maybe anything could happen, but after tonight, even that seems impractical. No, heaven forbid anybody you, you try to draw that path for anybody below him. I mean, I
0: guess there's going to be. I guess you there's could, still this hope, though. You see it all that everybody's with Beto, or just in general with Beto, because you, you know, and I, what? you know, I've talked about how he's this kind of like he's almost like a tech company. Mm-hmm. I think we compared him to a podcast one time. He's, he's sort of like a pod, but everybody's like, well, you know, what if Beto goes viral tonight? Yeah, no, I've got Van two, Jones said, like, what if he goes viral on the on the race stuff tonight?
1: I've got two new Beto takes. One, one, is, and both of them are jokes. One is that <laughs> Beto looks like. Uh, an SNL cast member playing a president I'm not sure which president but like I'm not Mm -hmm. even sure his hair is really gray it just looks so it all kind of is put on (laughs) Uh, my other one is that and this is maybe something that that he you know as a Texan is very familiar with he's like a he's like a a uh, internet celebrity quality youth group minister the way he just sort of like he talks in a way that makes you think he knows he's talking down to you but he's doing it politely and energetically, and with enough energy, yeah, bring bringing you in, bring, yeah, enough, enough, in, like, yeah. There's some inertia in the in in his lack of movement. I I just don't see. I it just hasn't caught on. It hasn't caught on tonight, no, to say the least. Tonight he had some room to swing, and it just seems like he does he. And he's he just that,
0: and he just formally rebooted. Yeah, there's that moment. where Everybody's going to reboot sooner or later. He went back to the dusty border town of El Paso, yeah. Texas. Yeah. And rebooted, and this was—I thought he was. By the way, he was better tonight. Sure, he was much better than he was in round one. The problem was, he kind of delivered like if he were a front runner, that would have been a good performance.
1: Exactly. hes he he, he was debating like a boxer hasn't thrown a, a punch the whole fight, but thinks he's up on point somehow. Like he doesn't know—he
0: just doesn't know where he is. It seems like he has this strange confidence. Yeah, it's so a strange confidence it. in the power of Beto. Yeah. Let me talk to to you about some other candidates who I think will begin to fade a little bit after this, or at least not have the same high profile uh, debate platform, perhaps Amy Klobuchar. Mm. uh, She had kind of interesting night. I think what was interesting about her is she had a chance to play the Delaney role. She had a chance to be the swinging moderate. And when they teed her up Mm -hmm. and said, well, you said something about people with ideas that aren't going to work. She passed. She pulled the punch.
1: She doesn't. Yeah, she, she's not. She she would not allow herself to be the villain, and I think that's that that's the difference between those two things. Now she has a she has a more viable candidacy, I guess, than than Delaney or some of the other people on stage. But I think whatever. I think the viability's. I mean, that's gone after tonight.
0: But she 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 by not by not punching, and I agree, she that's not her nature. But by not doing that, she lost an opportunity to draw any kind of contrast.
1: That's 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 correct. So
0: you, I came away thinking. Wait, wait, she was on stage that much? It just all faded away from me. How about- I just
1: got the impression with her throughout the night that every time that she spoke, she thought she was make. She thought she was hitting it out of the ballpark. You know, she. I mean, she had a couple of moments that a little a little swell was coming, but it read like she and her writers or campaign staff, whatever, they jotted this down on paper and they high fived and they're like, "We're gonna get them," and then just none of it played. And they should have known better. Yeah, a
0: lot of a lot of Iron Range this talk. Is, this is my, of, own... my dad was a journalist. <laughs> my my dad, my grandfather was this.
1: This is my this is my chart. The only quote that I wrote down. Yes, I have bold ideas, but they are grounded in reality. I don't know if that's an exact quote <laughs> or a paraphrase, but that was like that was a big that was a big moment for her. Now, did like... that get
0: tweeted as much as the Warren <laughs> <Yeah>. quote got <laughs> tweeted? Uh we were introduced today tonight, David, to Steve Bullock, from Montana. Oh my gosh, I I felt he had a little bit of a Phil Hartman quality. We yeah. always talk about this. We've never heard these people speak. No, I, I've never. I'm sorry, I've never heard Steve Bullock speak.
1: I started off. I started off thinking Nick Saban, and then by the end, I was just referring to him in a text message chain as Governor Longmire. So I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't really know. He had a. He had a, He was a. He was a manifold uh, personality. But it was. It was. He's definitely a
0: character, man. It's interesting you say Saban. Uh, Jacko, of the expand, extended uh, Ringer universe, said uh-huh. Bullock reminds me of a college football coach. Yeah. On Twitter, he, he had a few uh, weird moments uh, where he said, we need to get back to nuclear proliferation. That was a that was a little bit of a strange take. As I talk <laughs> about radical ideas. We need, we need to proliferate these nuclear weapons. He say, what did he possible. say proliferage? Yeah, it, it was a like, great. It
1: was a George W. Bush level like misnomer. I mean, like, he mi- also said nuclear, by the way. No, that's, Elizabeth that's Warren,
0: fine. when he said that, Elizabeth Warren said, what? And then he had to go back and uh, and change himself up a little bit. The uh, the other one I wanted to talk to you about was uh, Buttigieg, okay, who is right there at the bottom of the top tier, yeah, or the top of the second tier, maybe.
1: I think he's going to sort of accept. I mean, he's going to be honorary member of the top tier until at least
0: for the foreseeable future. Um... He to me had the Beto debate we're talking about. He just starts at a higher point. Mm-hmm. He every debate he has is kind of a frontrunner's debate. Yeah. I'm going to be real sensible. He'd, I'm going to come in. I'm going to do my bit about the age. When he said, well, you know, I was a junior uh, in high school when mm-hmm. the Columbine massacre happened. I don't know if you saw Amy Klobuchar's face, but she had this incredible smirk. Like, oh, here <laughs> we go. Here comes here comes the part where he reminds us that he's really young.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I thought he had a good debate. There was a point midway through where, um, you know, I, I had him as like a clear cut top three mm-hmm. the debate. And then it seemed like they kind of they, the, the the moderators went to him a little bit less for a little while. And then he kept, when he popped back up and then you and I were both like, oh, wait, where has he been? Um, he makes great use of all of his time. And I don't want to be dismissive because of his age. He is younger than me, I guess, which is a little bit. That's definitely the first time this Good has happened reason in my to lifetime. Dismiss him, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, but I, I do think that his, uh, I think he made the point in a previous debate, or at least in a previous interview, that they, that, that, you know, no one should hold his age against him and no one should hold Bernie's against him. And, and you know, we should, we should just, you know, make our decisions based on the merits. And I think that that's really true. I think that, that even if there's a, a even if there's a rational argument about age in either direction, I think it just gets like totally subsumed under this just like irrational, argue, like just gatekeeping argument. Uh, but all that aside, I couldn't help but think that he would make a really incredible press secretary for a great president, or he would be,
0: or he would just make like in the Aaron Sorkin show about a great president. Yes,
1: exactly, because like like a like a chief of staff slash press someone who's out there like giving it giving advice to the president, but also out there as a mouthpiece for the president because he's an incredible speaker. I'm not quite sure at this point in his career he's an incredible leader of men or of, of of humans you know like he i'm not quite sure that he's the that, that he's the inspirational kind of field general that we're all looking for in this role but hell i mean I don't, who is at this point i don't know
0: another farewell david tim ryan who said at the end of the debate i hope tonight <laughs> i captured your imagination uh, how many hands do you think went up across america when he said that oh my whose gosh. imagination was captured by tim ryan tonight uh, a couple other lines I wrote down. He was talking about immigration. He said, If you come, we want to come into the country, you should at least ring bring the doorbell. Ring
1: the doorbell. I, I really, like, I think he was expecting a <laughs> ring the doorbell chant to just erupt through Detroit. <laughs> I'm not sure that that was going
0: to work. That was a good one. Um, he was also talking to the uh, hypothetical voter out there and said, It's going to be you and me. It's yeah. going to be us.
1: And then he said something about it's going to be he he, he worked like a like a, a misuse of you and I in there, too, when he should have been you and me at some point later on. Uh, he the one thing that I will give him tonight is that during the, the the very beginning, when everybody was coming out on stage, he was the first candidate to not walk across shaking everybody. He, he ended the <laughs> he ended the awkward tyranny of handshakes that was permeating the introductions. Oh. And I and I'm grateful to him for that. But aside, but after that point, it was all uh, I could have done
0: without him. And finally, a really a heartrending goodbye to Marion Williamson. Wow. Uh, thought she started slow by her admittedly high standards mm-hmm. tonight. I thought she ended strong, though. Am I crazy? Oh, she did. Okay. So, were you were going to say that? And it was on race. <laughs> yeah. Where I think she, she delivered a couple of answers. One was on reparations, uh, and the other was sort of a general answer about race. It started out when she was talking about Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. where I thought you could almost lift those answers and put him into a democratic here's how to talk about this stuff yeah. manual. I mean Alex Perrine, I think did a piece in the New Republic recently about taking her seriously uh-huh. because there is something she, there is something to what she's saying about there's a larger psychic energy here and a yes. larger way of talking about this that's not just getting into the weeds of policy. And well, she's not she's not totally wrong about that. No. And when she talks about when she talked about race, she may have been the most effective person on stage, period.
1: I would think anybody voting for a president on either side of the aisle uh, is hoping for a candidate that's aspirational enough to get away with saying the kind of thing that Marianne Williamson was saying (laughs) on stage tonight. Right. Like, I don't know if you could take those words and put them into the mouths of anybody else that was standing up there. But you know, Barack Obama could probably get away with a lot of the stuff she said. Sure, he could make he could he could make it sing, and she was making it sing. It's uh, by the end of the night, I, I was surprised with how checked in I was when she was speaking, and not just and, and on an ironic level. She was she she had a good night. I don't know what this amounts to, but I mean, she's made it this far. <laughs> it's 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 a great compliment to her that um you know
0: people are that we're having this conversation can we talk a little bit about cnn we complained last time about msnbc so now it's time to complain about cnn uh i thought the just the speed of the first half of the debate was really strange the cnn moderators had obviously decided we are going to we're going to run this show Mm -hmm. if we say 30 seconds we are cutting you off and If you're right in the middle of your point. Yeah. If we say 15 seconds, we're cutting you off. Which is not enough time to take a breath, barely. It gave the, and they were talking about the complicated stuff. They're talking about Medicare for all and immigration in the first part of that debate. I saw Nick Confessori at the time say, it's just really hard to follow what's going on. Yeah, And I think your average voter who has watched some of this stuff but has not really plugged in, he was saying, and I I agree. I'm not sure you could follow the immigration stuff without the candidates being able to talk a little bit more and being yeah. drawn out a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I, I um I think that actually, I mean, I don't know if it's this is meaningful at all, but I wonder if you go back and, and look at the minutes, the the amount of time that each candidate got to speak. I, I bet a lot of the discrepancy is going to be, you know, from our perception to what the reality is based in how far some of the candidates push back against the CNN moderators, right? I mean, John Delaney would just like. Just closed his briefcase every time the CNN people said a word. You know, he was just like, "I'm that, that's fine. I'm done." Although it seemed like he was talking a lot, but yeah, CNN was. I don't know. I I bet if you watch this, if you came down from outer space and watched this debate, or that's not even the right way to put it, if you woke up from cryogenic freeze and watched this debate, you pro- it it probably would feel kind of like a regular debate, right? I mean, it felt like this felt very normal in a lot of ways. Presentation tempo. I mean, not tempo, but but uh temperature um but it was it was a lot of very deliberate decisions were made and it did overall feel subject matter wise uh timing wise like you said it did it it did it felt at its core deeply weird and
0: I don't exactly know how to put my finger on it there is this theory and there and it was repeated coming out of the MSNBC debate that the candidates were interrupting too much and that that privileged male candidates because they could just essentially, scream into the microphone and go, I- I'd like to make a point. I'd like to make a point. I'd like to make a point and wind up sort of eating up more airtime than their competitors. And I think there's something to that. I don't think candidates interrupting was the problem with the NBC NBC debate though no. And I think what it did, I saw Connie Schultz, who's a longtime journalist and also married to the u s. Senator Sherrod Brown, said, these mandatory 15-second responses make a mockery of what is at stake yeah, here. Yeah, that's true. This is supposed to be a debate for the future of our country, not a game show. Well, speaking of
1: game shows, I was I was semi-seriously agitating halfway through the debate that they should have just been eliminating somebody from the stage every 10 minutes, just like let the audience decide. Oh. But but if you want to take a real if you want to have a real conversation about reformatting these debates, let people have as much time as they want to rebut, but just give them a set a set amount of total time to talk, and when they're done they sit down. Mm. so the last five minutes or the people the last 30 minutes of the debate are the people who wisely saved their time Ooh, i like that i mean how hard is that just like it's like a soccer game just keep track of the amount of time that's elapsed
0: <laughs> so you have like you have like a bank of 12 minutes sure and you can so if, so if i'm like how many people are on stage tonight 10 so senator, there's a lot of minutes in tonight's debate senator curtis may want to be really present during medicare and immigration yeah but then we get like into the fourth topic and it's something and I'm just I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah.
1: The problem is when a lot of people sit it out. I think you have to re- answer the question that's given you, but they keep track of the rebuttals and the responses
0: and everything. Else. This starts to sound like the NFL 18 game schedule everybody only gets to play 16 games. Yeah. So You've to play your backup quarterback twice. Listen,
1: it's all good in theory, but then you actually have to pass it in the collective bargaining agreement.
0: I saw tweets from two people who are I believe not ideological fellow travelers Tim Miller who writes for the Bulwark and Libby Watson of Splinter, I think I could safely say they are not agreeing on much, mm-hmm. but they did have the same thought, which is why is the Democratic Party agreeing to let cable news yeah. channels run their debates? We are just at the end of the television era, somewhere near the end of the television era. Sure. So if you want to get the maximum audience, but at some point, don't you just go to Twitter tech company and say, we, we want to run this. We're gonna set the rules. We're gonna pick the moderators. We're not going to let CNN turn it into weird, con- like a weird content fest. Yeah. Uh, and then we, you can put it on any channel you want for free. Yeah. We- we'll just PBS, C-SPAN. Yeah. I the mean, networks, it is- but you have to show our debate. Why? Why at this point seed control? And again, I'm, I am pro journalist generally. Why seed control to a cable network at this point?
1: I totally agree. I
0: don't. I uh, I think
1: CNN did a much better job than MSNBC overall and I technical glitches even aside I I do I feel like the que- there, there were a lot of similar lines of questioning and and you know maybe rightly or wrongly I I accused NBC of Chuck Todd in particular of sort of asking these like bad faith questions to try to you know drive uh, try to divide the the people on the stage I feel like a lot of those same questions were asked but I couldn't help I couldn't help but think when you're talking about like oh so and so called your plan un you know call I mean so so called your plan uh, unrealistic Senator Warren what do you have to say and then go back to the person Senator Warren has called you uh, has has called you into question what you said what do you have to say It's just like so many of these issues the differences and I and I know we have to like there's a lot of these issues that really matter but the differences even if they're not low stakes are so clearly spelled out on everybody's campaign websites like we like so little was gleaned. From the wedges they were trying to insert between candidates tonight. You know, I mean, sure, there's the case that if you, if you want DNC, if they wanted to run their own debate, you you could go in a lot of different directions. You know, you could say, like, you know, everybody just make your most sweeping speech because that's how someone's gonna get elected, is to, is to capture the imagination of the country, right? I mean, you could go in that way. You get really in the nitty-gritty details and get the most like, the most like. You know egg headed lefty bloggers to like drill people down on the details and see what they really know. There's a lot of ways you could go that's not just looking for sound bites on on again ground we have what we have trod over a million times.
0: They turned it into a cable news show, didn't they exactly this was crossfire the debate they with a lot of a lot more people firing. They weren't worried that it was a substantive conversation they were worried that. Person X says this, and then oppositional person Y says something. Mm-hmm. And then we go to oppositional person Z says something, and then it kind of – it's like one of those CNN shows with 12 people on <laughs> Exactly what I was we're, thinking it of. It has Jeffrey Tubin and the guy who looks like Jeffrey Tubin. <laughs> Remember that guy? Yes. I'm probably talking on TV right now. I'm sure fake Jeffrey Tubin is
1: around somewhere. The uh, No, but I uh, – yeah, I mean, and, and what better people to be moderating than the people who do that every day? I mean, they, maybe that's why they were so adept at, you know, cutting somebody off after 15 seconds. Because Jake Tapper does that for a living,
0: but I don't want to turn this into a cable news show. I don't want wa- none. We don't watch cable news. We yeah. don't watch those shows. Yeah. So we don't want the debate. We don't want to accidentally watch those through a debate in the form of a debate.
1: Yeah. But I, it was true that they. I mean, that they did. They did give. I mean, you can you can, you can extend this metaphor quite far. Just the degree to which they 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 dealt with the Delaney's and Hickenloopers with credulity that was probably unearned for the sake of debate. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. the whole thing was very. The whole thing was. It was. It was. There was a lot of put on aspect to
0: it. That's how. That's what you do with rando pundits, right? And if they choose scenery, they become sort of less rando in your pundit universe. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did with Delaney. Yeah. I'll tell you the part that was abjectly terrible tonight was the beginning of the debate. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> First of all, the debate. The debate itself began at the twenty-five minute mark. So eight o'clock Eastern, we get this long package. Oh, yeah. Where everybody is being introduced one by one. And even randos like uh Bullock and you know Hick and Looper, they say putting heartland values on display. We have to introduce in a big produced voice over all the candidates. Then they come out and we have to introduce them again one by one and they walk on the stage. Right. Then we had this national anthem.
1: Right. By the way, can I interrupt real quick? To introduce these people one by one as if anyone who wasn't, as if everyone who's watching this debate did not have to Google their names 500 times even after those introductions. <laughs> Everybody watching this debate at home had a, had an image, they had Google image searched CNN debate night one candidates to get their names in their head. That, I just want to say. Oh, that, totally. Go on.
0: They were introduced in a package. They were introduced on stage and then they made an opening statement. Yeah. You don't need to introduce somebody three times. No. That, that's not, that's, that's not necessary. Yeah. Uh, between their introduction on stage and the opening statement, David, was a performance of the National Anthem. Now, I know it's late, so just cut this part of the pot if if we're going off script here. This but is good. This is, this is when Brian is like, gets fired. This, this is <laughs> like at a baseball game. Yeah. We don't need the National Anthem. We need the National Anthem at every sporting yeah. event? No, we don't need it at the debate. They don't, they didn't, did they do that at the Hillary-Trump debates? I don't remember them. Let's, now let's take time to do the National Anthem. This is
1: CNN just hoping against hope that Bernie Sanders would take a knee during the National Anthem. They, they just wanted to. <laughs> Tim some... Ryan did
0: it. <laughs> he did. He did it. Did you notice how the cor- they, they had the kind of choral rendition of the National Anthem? Mm-hmm. And the candidates were desperately trying to kind of mouth along with the lyrics. Yeah. But it was hard because it was a chorus. It wasn't just one. It wasn't like a recording yeah. like you get at the ballpark. So that you, you saw, I think it was Hickenlooper who was the only one who was kind of around that along with Yeah, there, Dan.
1: Yeah, I would I would have given anything for like Amy Klobuchar to have done like the one like the, <laughs> the two fingers on one ear and the other like other hand with a finger pointed aloft like bathroom sing along <laughs> to it.
0: She would have gotten my vote if she had done that. We don't yeah. need that, and we don't need generic anchor intro of the debate. No, like Dana Bash, Jake Tapper, Don Lemon, all standing out there and all saying something like this is a debate. It's about to happen. The debate can just happen. So in Brian and David's dream debate, here's what happens. A voiceover says time for the democratic debate to start. We come out, everybody's already on stage. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We introduce the moderators very briefly. And then they turn and say, all right, the first question is to Elizabeth Warren. There we go. Yeah. We just, we just, I just cut 25 minutes. It's like an editor. Great piece. No. Now look, watch me cut your lead. Well, they got a cu- commercial break, break in. The they, they
1: got a commercial break in. So that well, was that was incredible. Yeah, they like before the debate even started, there was a commercial break, which is great because they didn't have one for a long time. Which is again, I'm not quite sure what the decision making process is there, but it worked out for the network. I thought at some point like it was the you know when you when you sit down on Super Bowl Sunday and then you have to Google what time does the Super Bowl start because it's clear <laughs> it's not starting anytime soon. Uh, It's always
0: an odd time, like 507. And thank God heavy.com
1: is there to answer the question for you. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, this was, I would would have, it would have been great if I had known that I could have showed up at 825 tonight.
0: I put this on Twitter, but people always compare politics TV and sports TV. They say politics TV is becoming sports TV. Mm -hmm. Reminder that sports TV is rarely this badly produced. (laughs) Sports TV would just start. Yeah. Uh, th- there was an hour pregame show, remember, before all that stuff I mentioned, the 25 minutes of non-content. Mm-hmm. Sports TV would be more exciting. We're just going to go right to it. Yeah. We're not going to have this. When we
1: turn on the TV tonight, Tom Perez was doing a one-man show like Why was live that? on CNN. Why was that televised? I have no idea. And CNN has like other subsidiaries they could put this
0: on. Anyway. I mean, as useless as a pregame show is listening to Tom Perez fire up Democrats. I don't really get that. Uh, one note, Dave, before we go. It's getting late. Uh, I noticed this during the debate, and a couple of people made fun of it. A candidate would have a good line, and then the candidate's web team would tweet out the line like 30 seconds later.
1: First of all, we let's give credit to the best line of the night, if not for that Elizabeth Warren one, then to Bernie Sanders for his... Uh, do you want to play that right, real quick? Yeah, let's hear it. Second of all. You don't
0: know second that, Second of all. We'll I, t- second I do Congress, know, when I wrote the damn bill. <laughs> you
1: know, of all, <laughs> that was... That was a if Bernie Sanders had walked off at that point and just be like I can't debate these fuckwits, let's have a town hall. I that that would have been fine by me. Oh, I just left. And like, we'll see you later on.
0: What a walk off. That would have been incredible. That would have been incredible. But I like how it's just turned into in case you in case you were under the suspicion that these candidates hadn't rehearsed some of these lines. Yeah. That they weren't that these hadn't been gone through several times. Yes. They're not spontaneous lines in the moment of the debate. Their web team stood ready. I mean, the Kamala Harris one about busing where they immediately put up the picture of her as a little girl (laughs) right after she was like, well, I think I think we knew this was coming. Um, That's funny. And I think we saw that Bernie Sanders is already already uh, selling. I wrote the damn bill bumper stickers.
1: Did, you, did Tim Ryan's Twitter account and his campaign Twitter oh. account put out, a, put out a thing when he said, I think President Trump was onto to something? I think that, that was his <laughs> No, 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 no.
0: That's not a bumper sticker. That's not going to get any votes in the uh, Democratic okay. primary. That's too bad.
1: On the way out, can we hear a little bit of um, Governor John Hickenlooper playing the banjo?
0: Oh, what a, what a, what a good way to say goodbye to John, to, to John Hickenlooper. He's David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Our producer is Jim Cunningham. We're back tomorrow night, Wednesday night, with second with the second round. Of the Democratic debates, more lukewarm takes about the media and the future of our country. See you then, David. See you later, Brian.